Hello and welcome to another episode of Total Reboot New Release Reviews, where we talk about the new movies that are either in cinemas or streaming right now. This week, we're going to be talking about a pair of movies that you can and perhaps should catch on the big screen right now across Australia. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and joining me for these two reviews this week on the show, it is Blake Howard. Hey, man. Hello, Reboot Rats. So great to be back talking to you about fresh new releases this week. And in fact, one of them is kind of a reboot. Yeah, it's true. One of them is a remake. You're going to be covering the new film from Michael Bay, Ambulance, uh, which I have yet to see, but I'm dying to see it. And I was dying to hear your thoughts on it because you actually got to have a little interview with not just the director, Michael Bay, but the two stars of the film. I did. Jake Gyllenhaal, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Um, and I'm excited for people to check out those interviews on an upcoming episode over at One Heat Minute Productions. But you got to see a movie that I was so jealous that I haven't been able to see yet. We were hoping that we were going to see this together. Oh, it broke my heart that we could go see it. Everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once. I, I'm I'm so devastated. This is a movie that so many of the people that I hear and mm-hmm. critics that I trust around the world have been so incredibly moved and just bowled over by. And I was like, this is a Lex and Blake date mandate mm-hmm. that we should be having together. And we couldn't. I'm so excited to hear you talk about it. Yeah, that's going to be later on in the episode. I'm going to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. The new film starring Michelle Yeoh. Uh, but before we do that, I got to hear about Ambulance from Michael Bay. Blake, what is this movie all about? So, it starts off with Will Sharp, played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. He is a armed forces, a former armed forces officer. He's returned back to LA. Unfortunately, he's got a new young family. His wife, Amy, played by Moses Ingram, is suffering from like a, a, a degenerative disease of some kind, requires some experimental surgery. And he's actually one half of a pair of brothers. He's adopted by uh, the Sharp family and his oh. brother, Jake Gyllenhaal, Danny Sharp. Oh my God. I didn't know they were brothers. They're brothers. <laughs> they're, they're brothers. And they happen to be the sons of one of the most infamous LA bank robbers of all time. So oh. he has distanced himself from that adopted family for many years. And unfortunately now, due to being sort of screwed over by the American health system, he goes back to his, you know, to his sort of stepbrother, his half brother, his adopted brother, um, Danny. And he says, look, I need a couple of hundred grand from you to borrow Danny is maybe uh, into some illegal things. Um, and we find out a little bit later that he himself has donned the mantle that his dad left of being a, a famous bank robber in LA. And Danny gives him a choice. I have a heist today, not for $200,000, but for $32 million. And I need a yes or no from you right now. If you can be my driver for this heist. And therein lies this absolute, blow up like it's like it blows up that premise that thing that we've seen in michael mann's 1995 heat of a heist a heist proposition going into a heist that maybe is going to fail and it blows that up into this huge thing the heist ultimately does fail and the entire crew is displaced shot up the brothers find themselves together and they basically hijack an ambulance with isaac gonzalez's cam thompson who's a medic in there and an injured cop who is shot in the middle of this. So what happens is the Sharp brothers, Ayaza Gonzalez, 
start mapping out the topography of LA in this ambulance while the entire LAPD is hunting them down, including absolute scene-chewing performance from Garrett Dillahunt. And it is is the most outlandish uh, expression of a heist movie, exactly what you would expect from Michael Bay. What I need you guys to do is have a little listen to this trailer and then we'll come back and we'll talk more about it. 32 million. You're my brother. I will do anything for you. Get down! Get down, down, down! I came to you for a loan, not this. Stop! What do you want? Just gonna borrow it. Bank robbery suspects have taken an ambulance. We're doing hostages now. Does your wife know you're up, Banks? I'm gonna get you back home, little brother. get everybody home ambulance so blake it sounds like that you are i would say rather enthusiastic about this film what is your opinion and history on michael bay i'm much more of a you know early michael bay guy but i'm definitely someone who sees in all of his work that he's had this like career having a bit of a running commentary about like concepts of America and especially Mm -hmm. like American military uh, sort of construct in the world. And even in the Transformers movies, which are ultimately very dopey and tentpole movies, um, the role of the American soldier in them and how America is perceived in the world continues to change and evolve and is actually one of the saving graces in some of those pretty bad later sequels. Mm -hmm. But I'm a huge fan of things like The Rock. I'm a huge fan of Bad Boys, the original Bad Boys film. I really adore pain and gain. And I think that 13 hours, which is, um, uh, the secret soldiers of Benghazi yeah, is an underrated action movie because ultimately what is it about? It's not even about American soldiers anymore. It's about mercenaries who work for the American government who find themselves in a situation where they, all they want to do is survive. And they realize that they're put against it by the American uh, sort of industrial complex. And so I'm a fan of his work and I think there's nothing that you can say, about Michael Bay that's more of a compliment than when he gets hundreds of millions of dollars to make a movie, it doesn't feel like some stupid shot in Georgia, blue screen, nothing. It feels Mm. like things explode. People fall down. Stunts happen. uh, Camera whips and moves and it's exciting and it's thrilling. And so for me, whenever a Michael Bay movie is out, I'm like, I'm in. I I can't Mm. wait to see it. Now, pair that with clinical obsession with heist movies jake gyllenhaal mugging like a absolute lunatic basically fusing all the things that i could possibly love in a movie and you get this wild insane kind of like railing against your perspective of what a covid movie could be and it's this huge epic sort of expansion of what some heist themes are like you see bad getaways you see things where people run away and it's it's that this heist is doomed to fail from the second we get this proposition. And what's so wonderful is just seeing them try and patch together a way out. Even if you feel like there's no way out of the situation, patch together a way out and use the cover of an ambulance and an injured police officer as the only way that they can find their way through LA. And Michael Bay shooting is terrifying. The militarization of the police is one of the scariest things I've seen depicted in a movie. It's wild. It's bombastic. It's silly. And it is just some of the most crazy shooting you've ever seen, especially with drone footage. There are times where, you know, you usually see drone footage and you associate it with this very still, you know, omniscient uh, sort of viewpoint. Michael Bay is firing drones at car crashes through oh explosions. God. And it's just one of the most kinetic, fast-paced, just enjoyable thrill rides that I saw in a cinema. And I would just totally emphatically say 
you have to see this thing on a big screen. It's wild. Yes, it has its contrivances that we see in many different heist films, but hell yeah, is it entertaining? Hell yeah, the stakes crazy. Are the actors just jawing at the screen? It's just wonderful. And also, in so many movies, I'm sick of fake helicopters, Lex. I can't stand Mm. fake helicopters in movies. And in this movie, Michael Bay has... Yaya Abdul-Mateen driving an ambulance at 55 miles an hour through the LA River and has helicopters buzzing 10 feet away from Jake Gyllenhaal hanging out a window firing automatic rifles. It is just lunacy and it's my kind of lunacy. So I, I really thought that this movie had, it was just so fun. The stakes get increasingly ludicrous, obviously, um, as you would expect, but man, it's tense, man, it's crazy. It does this really great tension modulation between like micro like you're in a box of the ambulance and then the macro of la this huge city and it like maps it out like correctly um they took a great deal of pride with that i love that and it's just i I just had a blast 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 watching this movie and i would totally watch it again and and you know i think anytime that it's kind of devastating as we're even talking about this sonic 2 is beating ambulance at Mm. uh at the cinema and uh with the greatest respect, Sonic 2 is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Even my children, who it was targeted at, were mm-hmm. so bored that they were playing with the seat levers to move the seat up and down in the cinema for about 35 minutes of the movie. Well, um, that is high-end technology that they're <laughs> utilising right there. I don't blame the kids at all. Uh, and, and so... Uh, it just it it is it is a true death knell when you can't find mm. enjoyment in something that is kinetic and fun and explosive and for grown up people and Sonic Two can beat the living daylights out of it. I'm just like devastated um, in many ways, but uh, holy heck, uh, yeah, I I, I had a, a blast with Ambulance. One thing that I'm curious about, Blake, is I'm kind of. Uh I guess I'm not really a Michael Bay guy. I have just, I think I just came around of that era where he had just fully transitioned to Transformers. Yes. And that just like never connected with me. I think I only ever saw like three minutes of one Transformers movie on TV. Um, <laughs> and I'll be honest, at my freaking weed dealer's house when I was like 20 years old. And there was just like a clip of it on TV. You were mandatorily and- required to show it at, at, when you were dealing weed. I just want to <laughs> yeah. say that was part of the policy at the time. Yeah, I understand. It was... It blew my fucking mind because I was like, I've never seen effects like this where there's these two giant monstrosities fighting each other. And then I realized, oh my God, we're at the freaking pyramids of Giza. This is insane. (laughs) And then the very next cut was to John Torturo. And I'm like, what is this shit? How is this like? Because I just had no idea. I had no idea what they were doing with Transformers. And because of that, Michael Bay has just never really been on my radar. I've never seen Bad Boys. I'm sorry, shame on me. I've seen Armageddon. I've seen The Rock. But only recently did I see The Rock in the last, like, two years. So he's just kind of, like, not in my wheelhouse. The only time that I've gone in on Bay was the last time that there was a giant conversation around him that feels very similar to what we're having with Ambulance in that it is kind of like a return to form in the use of his 
powerful, energetic aesthetic being applied to something interesting, which was when I went to see Pain and Gain Pain in and the Gain. cinema. Pain and Gain, Ro- Pain and Gain, The Rock's best performance. One of Mark Wahlberg's mm-hmm. best performances the last 15 years. It's, it's And one of Tony Shalhoub's probably top 20 <laughs> great performances, I'd say. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub has a, has a very high watermark that we have to measure. But yeah, mm-hmm. look, again, Pain and Gain is about that kind of fractured American dream, like going about the American dream in all the wrong ways. And the ambulance is set in a world where the American dream is dead. Like all you can do is capitalize on the systems and exploit the systems that are in place because you, you have no other choice. And so for me, the, the, the content of the movie, um, the content of the movie, it kind of underpins and, and is anchored in this reality of like, Los Angeles has a dark side. It's got a seedy side. People are exploiting it. It's not this shiny Hollywood that we kind of associate. And, and you know, it, while he's, like, very much about that bro shit in his own words, it's actually scary. Like, I've never seen anything so terrifying as you usually see bank robbers in heist movies. This is a pretty, like, a rote thing at this point. But bank robbers leave a heist and are usually tactically superior to any of the cops that are there. Like, the famous scene in Heat, they're just firing handguns, a couple of shotguns. These guys have got automatic weapons, tactical maneuvers. They're going to overcome them. But in Ambulance, one of the scary things is every cop is armed like they're a SWAT member. Like, you don't need SWAT to be called in in this movie. It's scary. And so the stakes are so high, it's so tense. And just his kind of direction, the frenetic pace, it was shot in 39 days, this movie. Michael Bay averages 125 shots a day. Most directors only wow. do 25. It's just absolute lunacy. It's all there on the screen. It's so innovative. It's so it's so jarring. It's so kinetic. And yeah, I think there's I think even if you're not a fan, I think you're gonna get a lot out of just like just seeing the money that they spent on the screen, seeing the level of detail that they go to, seeing the level of chaos that he can create, seeing the pace of this thing. It's a it's it's a it's a beautiful, nice like heart murmur that you're going to give yourself for a couple of hours in a cinema, and I think <laughs> I, I think it's worth like for you just even on a pure technical thing just to see the wildness and to see Jake Gyllenhaal having an absolute ball and 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 Garrett Dillahunt chewing scenery like um you know like he, you know he, he's he's he gets chosen in a Coen Brothers movie and then he gets elevated to like Pacino level scene chewing in this movie. Like it's just, it's, you'll have a ball. I, I don't know how you could not have an absolute wild time with even most of this movie. Even some of the things you don't like, I, I just don't know how you can't like get, get swept up in ambulance. Wow. Uh, well, I can't wait to see it. I think you've sold me on probably seeing it um, within the next few breaths. Uh, <laughs> I would say I might even go see it. Blake, what are you rating it? Where are you landing on Ambulance? I'm giving it four stars. I It's it's probably as far as... Um, what what gets me to the four is like the technical achievement of it. It is, it is. I feel like when I was watching it, I'm like, I am going to see filmmakers try and do this and they are not at the level that Bay is right now. His level of confidence, his orchestration of the scenes, the chaos, um, and just the command that he can have with both casts and and crews and what he gets out. I, I just don't think he's going to... I don't think people are going to appreciate it really until they see how much it's kind of ripped off and it just felt like that for me almost instantaneously. So yeah, it's getting, a, it's getting a four. It's probably a three movie, but it's getting a four just on technical achievement for me. That is Ambulance, the latest film from Michael Bay starring Jake Gyllenhaal. It is in cinemas right now. The next film that I'm going to bring to you is out this 
coming week in cinemas on April 14th here in Australia. The new film is the latest from director duo Daniels, and it is called Everything Everywhere All At Once. It is... A film that is getting a lot of buzz, and it's very exciting seeing a film like this kind of garner a lot of energy and goodwill around it. It starts as this. Michelle Yeoh plays this clinically depressed, stuck-in-the-rut laundromat owner who is being investigated by the IRS. And she's kind of one of those people that things have always gone wrong and things have just never worked out properly. And she's had these hopes and dreams, but they've been quashed and crushed. And her husband, played by Kihai Kwan, who we know as a child oh, star from short round, the baby. Temple of Doom, short round, uh, is her very kind, sweet and caring husband. Basically, everything is going wrong for her all at once, if you will. And then... Suddenly, out of nowhere, there is a rupture in an interdimensional space-time continuum (laughs) where the multiverses verge together all at once. And her potential in the world and the multiverse at large, everything hinges on her potential to be something like the one. I'm very excited to dive into this one, but let's have a listen to the trailer first. In the multiverse, you can live up to your ultimate potential. What's happening? You discovered a way to temporarily link your consciousness to another version of yourself. Accessing all of the memories and skills. It's called verse jumping. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. It's crazy! You're starting to get it. Alright, Lex, the Daniels, their last film that they did together was truly an absolute scream. It was Swiss Army Man starring Daniel Ratcliffe and Paul Dano, uh, kind of like... I mean, I don't even know how to describe this movie other than like a psychedelic weekend at Bernie's uh, and mixed with Castaway. And and mm-hmm. now they've come back and everywhere, everything everywhere all at once is now garnering the kind of like, I mean, for us, we, we think about letterbox currency as film yes. nerds. It's now like one of the highest rated films. It is the highest rated on Letterboxd. Is it currently? now the highest rated? Okay, it's now the yes. highest rated film on Letterboxd ever uh, because of how emphatic and effusive people are talking about it please dive in and tell me that it lives up to some form of this hype there is a lot of hype around this movie i think that i was very fortunate weirdly very fortunate with this film because i did not really connect with swiss army man the last film from the daniels um i think it just the mix of whimsy and the small scale just didn't quite land with me but Everything Everywhere All at Once is something I am extremely enthusiastic about. I was completely ensnared in this movie. I think that it is one of the most exciting things 
I've seen on the screen in quite some time because it lands just at this right moment where there is a lot of knowledge and love for this freaking idea of the multiverse in a very mainstream way like we've never seen before. Of course, like the last two big Spider-Man movies have hit so hard and they've all been they've both been multiverse movies yes. and then we've got a new Doctor Strange multiverse movie coming out very very soon so i think the public at large kind of has some kind of inkling for what the idea of a multiverse is and now we can have some mother flipping freaking <laughs> fun with the idea and this film captures all that and so much more i think what really speaks to me about this film is that daniels have like such beautiful frenetic energy with their filmmaking kind of like what we were talking about with michael bay earlier where they have a very specific tone that they hit and the way that they get there is even more specific in that it kind of captures slapstick with slapstick camera like the camera feels slapstick and energetic and playful and whimsical and it being applied to a film like this feels like a real perfect match for me but what really gets me with this film is that it all hinges on very very real stories and real conflicts and then is extrapolated out of them but uses the stakes that we feel as real people that navigate this world and the conflicts that we have in reality in our real life. The central conflict of this movie is a mother-daughter conflict. We've got Michelle Yeoh who puts so much pressure on her daughter Eleanor played by Stephanie Sue and it captures this feeling that I've talked about a lot, uh, which is the intergenerational conflicts that you have with your parents. There's something about them that very deep down and overtly to like the interiority of your own life feels that conflict feels like mythological. Yes. Because it's like you're grappling with time before you even existed in this world. Yes. And that's where those pressures come from. And it's something that I felt very strongly about, you know, personal it, conflicts in my life. Everyone has those conflicts with their parents. And we're both we're both ethnic kids who mm-hmm. grew up in, like, sort of- Migrant inner, families. Migrant families in inner Western Sydney, and you have a look at mm-hmm. the generational gap that's right in front of you, and they could- you, Especially your grandparents and your parents. Like, your parents are a yes. little bit closer, but your grandparents feel like light years away from mm-hmm. you. Like and this. especially in this movie, you've got the all-time great character actor. I put him in the top 10 all-time, James Hong, playing the grandfather. And that King. conflict is all there bubbling up. And I think that this film and the Daniels understand that mythological element to that conflict. And then to extrapolate that deep-seated feeling that these conflicts are from another realm... To then extrapolate that into a hybridized martial arts action movie, split dimension, dimension bending and hopping <laughs> film, where there are multiple versions of the same person inhabiting same and different bodies and different realities, is a pure stroke of genius because it has this complex narrative around it, but at the heart, it's a multi-generational conflict of interpersonal relationship inside a family. And I think that's what makes this movie so powerful and beautiful is it takes this simple idea that we all have and we all face and then turns it into 
powerful, powerful surrealism. And I think that's what people go to the movies for, is to, like, see their reflections in ways that you couldn't even imagine. And this is such an imaginative film. The thing that I think is also most special about this movie is you got genius-level casting going on. Yes. You've got Michelle Yeoh, who is one of the King, true queen, great queen. all-star movie stars in the history of cinema. And to have her, who is known as not just a wonderful, powerful actor, like a Meryl Streep levels of talent, that's how people think of Michelle Yeoh. But there's another subset of people that think of Michelle Yeoh as one of the great action stars from Supercop, from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, one of the true martial arts stars ever on the screen. And to kind of find a way to combine those, this movie does something very, very special where we see this magnificent performance of someone that is stuck and someone that has kind of lost hope and is like a bit of a quiver. And then one of the first interdimensional changes that we have is... She, it's very elegantly told where we kind of like people transfer to different dimensions and they grab the skills and they imbued with the skills of their other versions of themselves. There's a moment where she needs martial arts skills. And to do that, there's a switch in dimensions where she sees this other life of hers. And that other life is she basically becomes that dimension's <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. We see her career. We see pictures of her in other movies like Supercop, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, premieres of all of these films. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians premiere even pops up in there. And then we end up with her in a premiere for her latest film. And it completely switches your mind to completely understand who Michelle Yeoh is and you see the raw movie star magic and power of her and it can translates in a way that I've never seen a movie do before where it literally acknowledges who the star is <laughs> and gives you all the feeling you need to go oh my god the potential of this person is to be Michelle Yeoh and you kind of mind blown by that and then on the other side of this movie star equilibrium that's going on in this movie, you've got Kihai Kwan, who has basically... He retired from the business like 20 years ago. And, worked- and, and didn't retire because he wanted to. He retired because the Hollywood system especially from the time that he was making movies and was like a ginormous culture-influencing star, uh, you know, transcended cultures. Yeah. He just didn't get any roles because they, the, the, you know, the, the American studio system didn't know what to do with him except to have this, like, orientalist, tokenistic fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, this film drew him out of retirement. Yeah. From what I understand, he came out of retirement from seeing Crazy Rich Asians. He went and saw it three times in the cinema, cried each time, and was like, I think there's a place for me back in the movies. He gets an agent. Two weeks later, he books this freaking movie. Oh, my God. And I think this role was originally written for Jackie Chan, and it makes sense. But there's something so special about seeing someone that you love so much. I mean, I would say Short Round, for most of my life, has been one of my favorite characters absolutely, in cinema. Absolutely. Just, I love that character. I connect with that character so much, and there's so much sweetness and kindness to him. And that is so present in his return to the screen. But also, he's like a martial artist. He's 
worked in stunts and second unit and like stunt coordinating direction and basically in the industry in the interim and now that he's back on screen we have like the full force of him where he is he has this so much tenderness and sweetness and kindness and that hurt that you remember so much from short round it is all there in this like elegant adult form with this amazing stunt work backing it up now it is the true understanding of how someone's presence translates to the audience as well. It's a magnificent performance. And I think that hopefully I'd love to see both these performances be honored come this time next year when Oscars turn back around. I think they are both that good and that exciting. And this film, it reminds me so much of what we would talk about when we talk about the way the matrix landed where it is like this english language love letter to asian cinema really that i've not seen since the likes of the matrix but more so than that it feels so esoteric like the influences aren't just like the michelle yo films that i've talked about earlier on like crouching tiger or super cop but then there's sections that not only look like Wong Kar Wai films, like In the Mood for Love, Chunking Express, or 2046. It kind of actually captures some of the feelings of those films too. Uh, the way that we kind of like jump around, they're almost like jumping through different genres and different types of movies. And there's a strong portion of this film that completely homages the work of Wong Kar Wai in a way that is so clever and so 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 tender it captures those tender feelings it obviously this film also owes a lot to that kind of kinetic blend of slapstick goofy humor and fast martial arts of Stephen Chow like Kung Fu Hustle but there's also even stuff that feels like homages to that really weird esoteric kind of Asian cinema like Satoshi Kon's Millennium Mindfuck anime <laughs> films this is really really special it's such an interesting blend I am kind of I really, really can't wait to see this film again. And I'm surprised by how much I love this movie. I I firstly can't wait to get your star rating, but I have to just really look forward. Like, if there's anyone I wanted to see slap someone or, you know, maybe fly kick someone on stage, mm-hmm. it's Michelle Yeoh. So, hopefully, we can replicate that at next year's Oscars if there's, yes. any, if there's any justice in the world. Good Lord almighty. Um, but this film has inspired such amazing writing. I want to talk about um, uh, Kihi Kwan again and just say that... Um, the Daniels and Walter Chaw, who I think is like the best film critic working today, has mm, written probably the, defini- the definitive review of this movie, um, apart from Lex's gush right now. <laughs> um, and there's also, you know, he's, he's been shouting out from the rooftops that the only way to continue the Indiana Jones franchise is to yes. have Short Round come back and, and take the mantle because he mm-hmm. deserves the mantle. And I'm like... I'm just, again, in the spirit of throwing things out into the multiverse that this movie sounds like it's doing... If there's any justice in the world, we see that guy in an Akubra hat at some point because uh, yeah. by the sounds of things, he's he's ascended to that level and I, I can't wait to see anything further. Man, to be honest, I don't want the Akubra hat. I want the freaking baseball cap <laughs> back on, dude. That's Swap- what I really want. Baseball cap, but swap the baseball cap for the Akubra, baby. Forget Shia LaBeouf. Let's get, <laughs> uh, let's get Kihu Kwan back in, back in the saddle with Indy. Uh, now, I'm, I'm like, I like you... I was dying to see this movie, but now hearing mm. you talk about it, I am truly like in pain. 
um, uh, that is in need of like an Isaac Gonzalez uh, paramedic in an ambulance to drive <laughs> me to the cinema to see it after that recommendation. So can you just crystallize it for people listening? What is your star rating for everything, everywhere, all at once from the Daniels? I've thought about it over the last few days since I've seen this film. I actually thought about it a lot. And I think the where I'm going to land is kind of based around... Like you said earlier, Sonic 2. People going to see <laughs> Sonic 2. I've seen people that I respect logging in a freaking row. Sonic 2 followed up by Morbius. And now, over this weekend, seeing Fantastic Beast fucking 3. Oof, Fantastic Beast the 3rd. Fantastic Beast the freaking third <laughs> Landing. And people seeing all these movies in a row. And it actually fucks me up it, it, it actually my empathy is boiling watching people see these movies so i think where i really do land on this movie blake i am giving it my very first five star rating of the year whoa whoa yes, because i am i am really enthusiastic about this movie i really really am but Seeing uh, if I can just make this movie be more on people's radar and be something more that they have to go check out, yeah. um, I'm gonna fucking do it, bitch. <laughs> 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 I just want people to see this on the big screen, and I think this film really has the potential to be a big blockbuster because it captures the same feelings and things that we go to see, like those fucking Marvel movies to go see. You want the like spectacle of interdimension jumping and action and beautiful choreography and, and intertextuality seeing- which these freaking movies exactly. love doing to each other yes they- and also to see fucking movie stars yes and to me Michelle Yeoh is a definitive movie star Kihai Kwan thank god with this movie in his belt he's a fucking movie star James Hong one of the great character actors of all time to me, he's a fucking movie star. From Chinatown to Big Trouble in Little China. And literally, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie as the villain. Oh, and she yes. is a fucking movie star. Yes, yes. I can't wait to see this movie. I, I am so dying to see it. And um, by the sounds of things, I might have to do a double up and just buy two tickets to back-to-back sessions yeah. and just go, give mm-hmm. me two, baby. I'm going in twice. Um, but oh, I can't I can't wait. Maybe we should just go see Ambulance. I'll see it again. And then you can see yeah, everywhere, dude. everything everywhere all at once. We'll see it together. That would be a, I, what a night. That is a freaking night. That's a day. They're not short <laughs> movies either. That's pretty much a day, actually, not just a night. But that is both of us recommending Ambulance and Everything Everywhere All at Once, both in cinemas this week. Do check them out. Uh, in the meantime, you can hear more from Blake over at One Heat Minute Productions. He has got an interview coming out soon with the stars of Ambulance. I do. They're gonna. They're first going to appear uh, in the final episode of Zodiac Chronicle, the twenty fourth episode that I've been nursing for now the mm-hmm. last few months to, to to hopefully get Jake Gyllenhaal on the record for that. And you freaking did it, and dude. I, and I did it. So that, there it is. Um, but right now, also, if you want to hear an extended chat with me and Michael Bay, Katie Walsh and I do a special episode of Miami Nice where my Michael Bay talks about the movie and uh, it was such a treat to talk to him because he is absolutely everything you expect that Michael Bay would Mm -hmm. be and it was such a blast. So if you guys want, uh, if you dig Ambulance particularly and you like your Michael Bay, um, check it out. And uh, I know that from my non-film geek friends, um, you know, speaking to Michael Mann, didn't matter. Speaking to uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, (laughs) 
uh, questionable. Uh, speak, speaking to all of the wonderful people that we've spoken to on the show, eh. But when I spoke to Michael Bay, there was some serious love in the chats coming through. Wow. Like, oh, dude, The Rock, Pain and Gain, I fucking love Michael Bay. I'm like, all right, well, so maybe there's some people like that, you reboot rats who are out there doing it. And also, sorry, Ambulance is... A remake, technically, of a film called Ambulance, a Dutch film, but mm. it is uh, while they are wildly different concepts, yeah. as you would imagine. One of them is kind of steroidal and crazy and over the top, and that's the Michael Bay version. And so, I think that if you uh, <laughs> really, yeah, <laughs> that's the Bay version you're talking about. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you don't. If you've ever seen that one, just miraculously, and you're listening, um, you t- they're, they're completely different experiences. So, go and check it out. Oh, absolutely. So, you can find that all over the One Heat Minute Productions podcast feed later this week on the podcast that you're listening to right now. We are doing our final film installment of the Millennium Mindfuck miniseries. We are talking with the dudes from the Weekly Planet on the film Dark City. Oh, my God. From Greek, Australian, Sydney cider, Alex Proyas. And you can imagine that me being uh, Alex from Greek origin who lives in Sydney, I got some big from ass opinions on Alex Proyas. Yeah, <laughs> from this absolutely. dark city. Look, and uh, this has been a ripper series. I just, I know you don't often Thanks get so the much, gush. Man. It's been a great mini series um, so far. Some hilarious guests. Um, uh, just a just tip top. Millennium Mindfucks all over the all over the all over the series has been terrific. Yeah. I can't decide which is my favorite yet, but I can't wait for this one. Oh, man, this is a good one. And I would say we're going to do a wrap-up episode after. We're going to kind of dive into the themes of Millennium Mindfuck and talk about the movies that we missed and couldn't quite find a space for. Uh, So I'd love, you know, to hear from the listeners what they want to hear, maybe questions they want us to answer for the Millennium Mindfuck. You can send them over to the Twitter, which is Total Reboot Pod. Me at this is Lexi Cameron. I am Cameron James. You can find us on all the socials there. So send us your questions and your thoughts that you want us to kind of talk to in the wrap up of the Millennium Mindfuck miniseries next week. And also next week, we're going to announce what our next miniseries is. And it is yet to be decided, but I guarantee it will be a ripper. I can't wait till we turn this off and I find out what the options are when you're not listening. (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for joining me, Blake. As always, I love you, baby. And as always, listeners, please, please, please honor cinema with every waking moment. And if you did see Sonic, if you did see Fantastic Beasts 3, if you did see Morbius, you must repent and see at least one of these two movies we talked about today. Repent and thou shall be saved. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs>